Hey everybody, it's the Pop Culture Philosophers, coming to you live from the Huntsville, well actually I guess we're not. This time we're kind of spaced throughout uh, northern Alabama, but we're together, we're joined, we're back, we're ready for a new season of the podcast. Tonight, Bond, James Bond. Excited to have the crew back together, talk about the films of James Bond. Very excited, Just I'm just excited to just have us together and to be doing the podcast again. Uh, for the people who listen, enjoy the podcast. Uh, rejoining us i'm excited uh, for the people that listen to the podcast thanks for joining us i guess and uh let's get into it man of course i'm john Hammertime holshoe with me always is the money penny to my james bond rockin robbie billups hey what's up oh your money penny i was hoping i would be more like m but at least not like r so yeah. i appreciate well that. there's that weird sexual tension with us so you're money penny yeah, I guess. Yeah, there is that. So <laughs> it kind of works, you know, and I prefer more to sit at the desk and you like to go out there and be a, a man of adventure and mystery and yeah. espionage. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm super excited to be back. It's been almost two years since we did a podcast together. We were talking about Kevin Smith movies. We were like, the next movie's going to be Bond because a Bond movie is about to come out. Little did we know the world was going to change. Uh, yeah. But here we are. And I'm glad to bring it back. And I'm glad we're finally at the end of this long, arduous wait and journey and having to watch all of these damn bond movies all so quick and close together it's a franchise better to be paced out i think yeah. it is i agree i we really were going to do it like when the new bond was coming out and that was delayed for year and a half two years i don't remember it was supposed to come out uh 1967 this movie was supposed to come out it got put out <laughs> back to 2021 but it was it's been a long time coming. The, I enjoyed the new movie. We'll get more into the to the movies, but I did enjoy the film. It was my first one back to the theater. Um, it's been a long time since I, I've been to the theater. I saw the Daniel Craig's in the theater. So and I was happy to go back and see this one. I I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think it was a good uh finale to the Daniel Craig era. But the yeah. only weaknesses I will say before we get more into it is those films really do expect that you have seen the other Daniel Craig films. They're not good standalone films oh. for the most for the most part. But I enjoyed them thoroughly. I enjoyed him. I enjoyed all the Bonds. I love Bond films. I'm excited to get more into the show. Well, also with us tonight, we have Dashing Drew Matson. What's up, uh, Dashing Drew? What's up, everybody? Drew. Glad to be in the virtual attic. Yeah, I, I, I'm still going to say it's live from Huntsville Attic, but one that is not live from Huntsville Attic, uh, via satellite, I think somewhere on the Ukrainian border, uh, watching the last remaining bits of the Winter Olympics, it's uh, ah. just by Justin Goldsmith. Oh, yeah. Everything's fucked up over here. <laughs> um, yeah. And what? Damn, I had a comment a minute ago. Whatever. Yeah, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Uh, I got a new baby in the house. Everything's crazy. Starting a new job soon here in Ukraine, by the way. Yeah. I uh, hope the audio is good. Might be a little bit of a delay because of the being on the other side of the world and whatnot. But yeah, let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, those well, Cold War Cold War satellites aren't the best at relaying communication from across yeah. the globe. And by the way, we are no, coming live from 1969. Dude. Oh, 69. Nice. <laughs> so James Bond started as uh, Ian Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming is that his name? Ian, yes. Uh, Ian Fleming novel. So 
British secret, secret agent, uh, Eon Productions, which I think were Canadian, decide to adapt it to the big screen. Before that, there was a TV movie, Casino Royale. Uh, Eon Productions brought to the big screen uh, the Broccoli, Broccoli and Company, Broccoli and Family. Uh, Sean Connery was the first Bond. I think a lot of people still like he's the Bond. You know, people become attached to <laughs> Sean Connery. Yeah. He'll always be Indiana Jones' dad to me. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, afterwards, George Lazenby took over. George Lazenby only did one film, didn't like doing it. Sean Connery comes back for one film. Then Roger Moore took over. Sean Connery actually wholly endorsed Roger Moore, by the way. If people recall this, they he was, I guess none of us were alive at the time. <laughs> But he was like, yeah, Roger Moore's taken over. And Roger Moore, remember, had done The Saint at the time. And had taken over. And he got Sean Connery's full endorsement. So Roger Moore goes on to do seven films. He left. Timothy Dalton comes on, does two films. He was supposed to come on before that. There's there's a whole thing about that. Um, Timothy Dalton does two films. There was some sort of lawsuit with the studio. During that lawsuit, he hi- jumps out of there. Uh, they had a script for something that became GoldenEye. Pierce Brosnan takes over. Pierce Brosnan does five films. And was that five films? I believe it was four, five films. Four films. Oh, yeah. Pierce Brosnan does four films. And then Daniel Craig is subsequently takes over and he does five films. So t- together with the, the newest film, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Wait, is that the film? No. That's not the <laughs> not, no, no time to die. No time to die. Damn it. <laughs> they kind of run together. Yeah. That was we're, that's we're that's at twenty five now. Yeah, that's Daniel Craig's final film when he his 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 fond farewell to the band franchise. Now he didn't want to stick around for five, to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? He he talked about how much he I don't know if he just didn't enjoy it or he got sick of being Bond. And Sean Connery was a similar thing. I think Sean Connery he he's quoted as saying how he got stopped in the street and be like, "It's James Bond." He's like, "No, I'm 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 Sean Connery." You know what I'm saying? I think he got he didn't want to be typecast in the role, but he was great. I think they all have their their high points, and they all they're all they're all great but that's eon production is really what brought to the big screen and continues to do it and the broccoli family is can continue to produce and be heavily involved with these films yeah albert's daughter barbara is still one of the main producers and uh, it started with a deal they made with united artists they formed eon productions everything or nothing specifically to make these movies they couldn't make casino royale back in the early days because because they did that tv movie those rights were held by another company up until like this legal battle that released Casino Royale to them that happened like right before Casino Royale was kind of greenlit, right? And Sean Connery felt like the rise to fame and his paycheck stayed the same, right? So he kind of, it was a money issue there. And then Roger Moore comes in and there were so many times where he was going to go in and he was going to go out. They initially cast Pierce Brosnan um, to do The Living Daylights but he couldn't do it because they greenlit Remington Steel. Yeah, and he was stuck in that. There's some kind of contract that the Bond actors sign where they can't appear in another movie in a tuxedo doing certain kind of spy movie-oriented things, uh, which was apparently really tricky for Brosnan when they were doing the Thomas Crown Affair. They had to be really particular about how they portrayed him in that movie. Um, but then Daniel Craig comes in, and remember, nobody liked him. At first, like nobody wanted him. They are complaining he was blonde haired and blue eyed and and all this kind of rad jazzness. And that big gap, the lawsuit you were talking about between Dalton's second and what would have been his third film was because that dude. So Thunderball, Ian Fleming got some dude. I can't remember his name, Kevin something. And they came up together with a an original story for a Bond movie. And that was Thunderball. But it didn't go anywhere. And so Ian Fleming just wrote it as a novel. So when they came time to make that movie, 
this other dude was like, yo, I got the rights too. And I got the rights to some characters. He signed a, a contract, an agreement that he wouldn't have, he would get a sole producing credit on the movie Thunderball. And then he couldn't do anything with the Bond character for at least 10 years, right? But then that came back when they said, never say never again, which is a remake of Thunderball that he yeah. did. Cause he always, he spent his whole life in courtrooms trying to defend his right to the Bond and Blofeld character and Spectre and all this kind of stuff. And that's why they couldn't use Spectre during the Roger Moore days. I know way too much about Bond now because I have crammed in these last few weeks, gentlemen. Crammed. And that's why that, what film is at the beginning where they basically kill Blofeld, but they don't say it's Blofeld. You know that's for saying? your eyes only. Yeah. yeah, they kill him at like the beginning and it's kind of supposed to be him, but they can't say it's him because they were still in that legal issue with that character. And then when they finally get Spectre back, they're like, let's go out with a bang and let's make a Spectre movie. And it was one of the worst. It's the worst of the Daniel Craig era, in my opinion. It's worse than fucking Quantum. Well, we'll get to that. I think we all have varying opinions on the different <laughs> Bond actors and their and their movies. You know, there's a lot to talk about and unpack here in this whole whole franchise that's gone for over 50 years. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I will point out, John, that, you know, we can go back on PCP and the archives here the PCP archives and watch our Spectre movie review where we were all pretty glowing that night about the movie. We were all like, Oh man, we loved it. It brought back the camp. It brought back the, the feel of the old school. So, you know, just saying I was, we enjoyed drunk. It. I was, probably <laughs> we were probably drunk. All right. Uh, speaking of drunk, how about drunk for power? One of the things that makes, well, one of the things that I would say makes a great bond film is a great bond villain. But honestly, on my rewatch, my revisit, I don't think they really develop a lot of these villains and a lot of them kind of fall flat, but the ones that soar really soar for me. So I want to know right now, who are your favorite Bond villains and why? Drew, let's kick, uh, kick it off with you. I mean, the first one I'm always going to mention because I am a Mads Mikkelsen super fan is the chief from uh, Casino Royale, the, the, the good Casino Royale. Uh, he is I like him because like they do build him up as like the gambler, very good with money, but he ends up getting himself in tricky situations and he's got the best torture scene of any bond. Cause that is the most cringe inducing. Like it is any, any man can imagine the horror of just seeing him cut out the seat and just like plop you down there and just takes the, and anyone who's like felt like the knotted end of a rope knows exactly how hard that is and how heavy it is. And just imagine getting hit by that is, ugh. but that's why he, <laughs> I, I love, I love Mads Mikkelsen. I love the, bl the bloody tears and yeah. he, I'm a, a big fan of his. My other favorite, of course, Alec Trevelyan, Sean Bean. Uh, he, he he's very much like the mirror of James Bond, and he and uh, <laughs> he did a great job of physically acting. And like the the fight scene at the end of the movie was like one of the best in Bond. Yeah, <laughs> and he's very much like like just a couple wrong things in James Bond life. He could have been Trevelyan and really like from Goldeneye until like Casino Royale, those were the best fight scenes. Like they're like, they did not beat anything from, from Goldeneye for the rest of Pierce Brosnan's run. Yeah, you're right. Cause they, and they went, they went, they went really cheesy. They went, went really campy with the action in particular. 
and the budget increased for those movies, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and they they got bigger name actors and everything. And then from the same movie, oh my god, uh, Xenia <laughs> by Fomka Janssen. If she were around nowadays and and people got to see her just like crushing men between her thighs, you have no idea how popular she would be. Oh, she's badass, man. She, that's what it was like. She like if that were around nowadays, it would have been monstrous worldwide. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll tell you this. Those those were on my list too. We're we're on a top and Trevelyan, uh, right? Um, Trevay, what, what's his name again? Trevelyan. All right. Yeah. yeah, Sean Bean, who gets to uh, die twice in this film. Yeah, you know, he <laughs> dies in everything, but he gets to die twice in this one. Um, those two really like work for me as Bond villains, and uh, I I have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. Um, what about you, Justin? What Bond villains tickle your fancy? Well, you always got to go back to Jaws. That metal toothed big old man. Uh, damn, what was his name? Rich, Richard Kyle. Or Keel? Richard Keel? Whatever. Big guy, metal teeth. He was in two, three? Three movies? I think he's in three films. He's in, he's in a Ranger, bunch of films. Three. Yeah, three. Three. Yeah. One of the best. And you got Odd Job from Goldfinger. Also, Goldfinger, great villain. Very simple goal. He just wanted to... Whatever. One of my actual favorites, though, is Silva from Skyfall. Javier Bardem and his portrayal. Okay. He was the... The double... Or he was the James Bond before James Bond in that story arc. M's favorite. And then she just kind of cast him out. Silva yeah. actually might be my favorite, my actual favorite villain from the Bond movies. Nice. Um, that's a pretty good list. A lot of people uh, talk about Bardem, you know, from Skyfall. A lot of people really like that movie. You pick some good ones there. Odd Job and Goldfinger are iconic. They're on my list as well. So I'll go ahead and just mention that because they he loves only gold. And Odd Job to me is outside of On a Top, the best henchman. Those are the two that really work for me in the entirety of Bond movies. I'm really curious, though, Hammer Time Holshue. What are your favorite Bond villains? Well, I think you've covered most of them, and and you, you're right. It was it was. I, I said three films. It was two films. You know, what I'm saying he was in The Spy Who Loved Me, and then he returns in Moonraker, uh, Jaws, or as we like to call it, Moonraker. Jaws falls in love. Yeah, yeah, that's that weird. Like, <laughs> so I I rewatching Spy Who Loved Me, by the way, and I. I forget that Moonraker's got the weirdest, not Moonraker, <laughs> Jaws has the weirdest run. He's got like such a weird gait when he runs. I'm like, what's with this dude? He's so intimidating. Except when he runs, he runs like Goldsmith, actually. People who <laughs> um, are, he's seven foot two. They, you can't run gracefully at yeah, seven foot well, two. Well, there you go. You would, you, Drew would know. Drew's a tall guy. <laughs> that being said, in the, in the spy who loved me, I really love that scene over at the, uh, at the pyramids and the Sphinx. Like that's a really cool scene and he's in there and the way he's like stalking Bond and they're they're like moving around and there's this presentation, which the first time I watched that and every time I watch it, I'm like, do they still do that? Can I go yeah. to one of those? That would be really fun. Yeah, I want that cool ass presentation. I was when I rewatched it, I'm like, they got the lights set up for the presentation. I'm like, did they ruin some 
artifacts with all those lights. <laughs> I know they like they're up on some wall. Like, yeah, and I was like, like, I don't know if that they, wall exists. Yeah, they bolt that wall up, and uh, uh, but Jaws is great. Odd Job is great. Those are signs of the two. They're the most iconic, and they're referenced in you know not only Austin Powers, but they're spoofed in everything. You know, what I'm saying those those two characters, James Bond Jr. James Bond Jr. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you talked about Xena on the top, she was great. You know, I was a big fan of Goldeneye. And, uh, but Blowfield, man, he's, he's the big super villain that constantly returns and he's portrayed by so many different people. If you were a Bond fan, there's gotta be a point where like the same guy plays Q most of the films, but they can't get the same fucking guy for Blowfield. I know. And they're all so drastically different. Yes. Like yes. everyone got... is a completely different take, man. Well, remember Terry Savalas, it's okay because his earlobes are gone or whatever. <laughs> like, so it's a different guy. I'm like, what? He still doesn't it's, recognize James Bond, though. Yeah, he doesn't recognize James Bond. Well, it was a different guy, so you wouldn't recognize him either. And technically, in the canon, it's supposed to be before you only live twice. Oh, so, so it's Carter. Just okay. so you know, yeah. So, but, yeah, there was a lot of great. I mean, Donald Pleasance, Terry Savalas, Max von Sydow, Christopher Waltz in the new one. I'm leaving people out. There's just so many people uh, were uh, Ernest Blofeld. The problem with him is that he's more like, I want to do evil and I have a lot of money. I'm going to use the money to do evil. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to 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 sympathize with his character because he's just bad for the sake of being bad. You know what I'm saying? So he's the perfect yeah. Bond villain, but he's sort of like one-dimensional. I do like the other villains that, that you know, you can sort of, uh, you know, you can, you can see their point of view or see why they're upset or see why they hate James Bond. And I really disliked the Blowfield Christopher Waltz version. He's like, everything I've done is to fuck you. Basically, just to be annoying to Bond. Like, the author of your pain. Really? Like, why do you just kill? Like, the whole time it's just been the... What? Get the fuck out. Anyway. Yeah, because he's his, like, baby brother and he hates yeah. him. Yeah, my parents yeah. liked you a lot. I'm like, what? That's kind of a shitty... <laughs> what? Uh, but they do have a lot of great... But, but I think, really, I think Jaws and Odd Job, I think, are probably the most iconic as far as the henchmen. I think yeah. is a super villain. It's definitely, it's definitely Blofeld just because he, he who's your favorite Blofeld. I, I, I like Donald Pleasance just because I, I like Donald Pleasance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. I like but Donald he also, Pleasance, but I need to, I need this to be the moment that I bring this question up because I just watched no time to die today. This day that we filmed this podcast or recorded who the fuck. Can you tell me what Remy Malik's character's name was in no time to die? No. Dr. Robot. Do you know Mr. Robots? <laughs> Damn it. Do you know who his character was or what he did? Aside Is that from, a test? Are you really was just he don't know? was he not he was like one of Swan's lovers, a former Is lover? Soften. Soften was a name. Hey, so so we need to I guess put the thing down that this is spoilers now for the movie for No Time yeah. to Die. Spoilers. Which by the way, I thought that was a shitty villain in No Time to Die personally but i love the movie but I've i did not so like him thought, as a villain i've got so many thoughts there it's still sinking in but what well i mean he was out to kill who, white who was and white he? worked for specter basically yeah, but, mr white mr white worked for quantum which is part of specter and he killed like saffin's family Next killed oh, his family, it? but Spectre kills. Yeah, Spectre kills everybody's family. He found out who Mr. That White was. was. The extent of his backstory. Yeah, he found out who Mr. White was, like really was, and went after him and his family, including his daughter, 
who was who was Madeline, Madeline. Swan, which I'm yeah. assuming if yeah. her last name really was Swan, that Mr. White's real because we never find out his real name. He's not Mr. White. He was in the fucking, you know, he he's he's in the <laughs> he's in the Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's the real Harvey Keitel's the real Mr. White. Mr. Yeah. White, yeah. So Mr. White, but that's that I do like the the Mr. White's reoccurring character, and I do like the fact that as much as I had problems but, but, with Spectre, but I do like was, the of Madeline. Who was Rami Malik though? Who was his character? Was he just like a fucking mechanic or some shit? No, he's a his family he, was killed. Yeah, he's a, he became a terrorist after his family was killed by Mr. White. But they must have had yeah. some sort of significance but or power in order for Spectre to wipe them out. Spectre felt they were a threat. So they must have, yeah. So they had some sort of power. And didn't he like have a relationship or fall in love with Madeline, right? He like he raised her like saved, his daughter, he saved, right? Yeah, he saved her at the beginning of the movie. I like the film. I like the death. They haven't done that. I I felt it emotionally. I like I like the Daniel Craig Bond the most on an, an emotional level. Yeah. We'll get to the Bond discussion later. It is um, the most, most emotional Bond is Daniel Craig. His best enough. villain, though, was Lashif, Lashif, or whatever from the first one. Lashif, I think yeah. like that was his best villain in the whole bit, and it was disappointing because, like John, I would list my absolute favorite Bond villain as Ernst Starvo Blofeld, right? Like, but it's more so the idea of him and less the execution of him, right? He seemed better when he was just the dude petting the cat and you didn't see his face when yeah, he was like saw the hand yeah when he was like whatever that dude's doctor whatever it is from inspector gadget right Dr. Yeah. Claw. Yeah. <laughs> which i'm sure is based on that right yeah. but oh yeah donald pleasance like you said hammer time is is my favorite performance just because that's what that's where we get dr evil from yeah. you know from austin powers we get the scar all that kind of stuff christoph waltz kind of letting me down a little bit inspector and it just i just i didn't like the idea of kind of like the the foster brother type thing yeah i didn't like that like i didn't like that he didn't have an adequate build-up it was the fact that blofeld was a loon a looming threat throughout the entirety of the sean connery era is what i loved and i love terry savalas too but he plays him completely different yeah. Than some other ones. But at the same time, if you think that the book on Her Majesty's Secret Service came before you only live twice, if you if you think about that, that movie comes before the Donald Pleasance crazy ass Blofeld, who by the way never blinks on screen as Blofeld. Which is wild. What were you saying, Drew? The <laughs> you want to know how I know whoever wrote uh No Time to Die really thought that they were swinging for the fences like they hit an absolute home run with with uh grammy malik's character saffin do you know what his first name was what leucifer <laughs> <laughs> so they very clearly tried to name him lucifer but like l-y-u-t-s-i-f-e-r oh it's God. like this is the most poetic thing in history we we Dude, fucking I literally nailed just it movie this today like in the last six hours i've seen that movie and this is the closest you'll ever get me to being upset about a film on this podcast well he was Spur, I mean, it really. This Spectre, is true. Spectre and Quantum made a lot of villains in the process. Most didn't have the power to do anything about it. Some great discussion there, but you know, Blofeld is one of those things I don't think ever got fully realized to its maximum potential 
and James Bond. And I would love, like, obviously we're going to get a fresh start now. And I would love to get the Bond villains pumped up because just overall, a lot of these Bond villains are ultimately insignificant. The we all were we all have the same handful on our lists. You know, Jaws, Odd Job, Blofeld, uh, 006, and On a Top. Right, a couple we haven't mentioned: uh, Scaramanga, Christopher Lee, Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, I kind of like that dumbass movie for some reason. And even though it's not the best movie, and Roger Moore, I don't think is very good in it. And I kind of hate the whole Bond story in that movie. I love Christopher Lee in that God. film. The I'm trying to remember the name with the uh, drug dealer, with a, the extremely young Benicio del Toro as that's, his that's the other guy. one I was going to say. Chiquita. That's Franz Sanchez yeah. from License yeah. to Kill. Yeah, that's Robert Davi. I love him. Yeah, because he's really good in that. That's like the most brutal one. And Benicio del Toro, super young, playing Dario. Yeah. And dude, his death scene is the gnarliest death scene I've ever seen in a James Bond movie, bro. And there's some good ones, but holy crap. So yeah, definitely some really great Bond villains, even though for the most part, I think that usually Bond villains kind of fall flat, even in some of the best Bond movies. But overall, it's something that, that people remember Bond for are these few that really stand out. Speaking of standing out, we're about to take a break. We got to go step out. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about Bond girls. We're going to be talking about cars and gadgets. We'll be talking about music here on the PCP Bondcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bondcast here at Pop Culture Philosophers, celebrating a return to podcasting after two years while we're talking all things James Bond, I got with me Hammer Time Holshue. What's up, buddy? I got damn View to a Kill song stuck in my head because of you, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I hope if you, by the way, catch the extra bits that you missed by watching the audio only or listening to the only audio only version of this uh, with the Patreon stream. Anyway, we also got Justified Justin Goldsmith with the mouthful of cheese. It's live via satellite from Northern Alabama. How you doing, Justin? Hey, babe. Nothing's better than Cheez-Its on a podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. Speaking of Cheez-Its on a podcast, we got Dashing Drew Matson with us. I would get Cheez-Its, but my my quality is a lot better than Justin's, so you would hear every Cheez-It crunch. Speaking of quality better than Justin, we're about to talk about Bond girls, okay? And, and we know they're women, but we all like to do, we, people just call them Bond girls, right? And I'm talking about the femme fatales, the heroines of the film, and, and I'm going to, like, leave it open, because uh, there's a couple. I didn't put on a top on this list because I already had her, you know, but there's some villainesses that might make this list for me too. Um, but Bond girls, the, the quality of the story, the quality of the character, the quality of, of the attractiveness, varying degrees to judge Bond girls on, as well as the villains and, and the cars and gadgets and the music and everything else that we'll be talking about. But I'm curious, out of the entire 50 plus years of James Bond Eon production movies, or if you like Kim Basinger, go for it. Never say never again. Uh, what a weird title that one is, man. Just what a weird title. Anyway, <laughs> Bond Girls. What do you think, Hammer Time Holshue? Who are your favorites? Oh, man, it'd be hard to, to narrow it down. I think one of my favorites, the traditional damsel in distress, would probably be Solitaire, which was Jane Seymour in uh, Live and Let Die. You know, she's the one, the card reader. Yeah, she's and gorgeous in that. She's movie. gorgeous. She's just a knockout. When I was a kid, I like had the biggest crush on her because of Solitaire, 
Um, beyond that, I would say I really Vesper Lynn because in Casino Royale, she sorts of sets up Bond first one he really falls for. And she's she's quick-witted, you know what I'm saying, when they meet on the train. And she at least matches him, you know, with, like, the wit and with the with the intellect. And then that's sort of the girl that, like, breaks him, you know what I'm saying? And he spends subsequent films trying to avenge her. But I also have a great respect, and you see this in later Bond films, um, the women who kick ass. And one of them that I really like, and it's a film that's not rated highly for most people, for Quantum of Solace, uh, Olga... Kalinko plays Camille and she's the one who her family was was basically slaughtered by that general and she's got those burn scars and she's super badass in it yeah. and and helps him stop uh Green and then the admiral that works for Green but she's she's kick ass. So I really do like the women who are who aren't just damsels in distress who are out there kicking ass. And there's there's some in the Pierce Brosnan era. There's some in each but you see more and more as the series goes on. You see these yeah. very empowered women who who aren't, who aren't pushovers and aren't just damsels in distress, but she's one that stands out in my mind because I think that this film gets pushed aside, and I was like, oh man, her character was really was really badass. That's interesting. I thought you were about to say, what's her name from Tomorrow Never Dies? Because she's pretty badass too, actually, in a not rated highly movie. I yeah, Meg. Talking about Maggie Q's character or well, Michelle. Is it Michelle? Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Okay. Q. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. But, I can't remember. She's Indiana. pretty awesome. But I also yeah. I had a big thing for Terry Hatcher back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of oh, like Tomorrow yeah. Never Dies. Kind of like mm-hmm. Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, the, uh, there's, there's, there's a bunch of great ones. What about, what about you, Goldsmith? Who, who stands out in your mind? Well, classically speaking, you talk like the oh, – what's the word for it? The play on words. Uh, like names that sound like – Sexual acts, basically. Oh yeah, the really the puns—they're all, they're, they're all the crazy. Pussy galore and yeah, yeah. Like Xena on the Pussy top. Galore is probably the yeah Xena on the top. I must Those be dreaming. The classic ones. <laughs> Those are the classic ones you think of. But 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 uh, yeah, Michelle Yeoh and Tomorrow Never Dies is badass, and uh, uh, you find out she's a agent with the Chinese intelligence service. Awesome. Uh, and what's, yeah, I have been drinking. What's, what's, the uh, uh, Anna de Armas's character. In, oh, uh, as the secret uh, agent, but I can't remember her. I can't remember her character's name. She's badass. in the two minutes she's in the fucking movie, you know what I'm saying? She's barely yeah. in it. In no time great. to die. Yeah. Yeah. The, that that first chick with the, the decotage. Paloma. Bruh. Paloma, yeah. She can get it, man. You get yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like, bruh. I thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought she, I obviously, we all thought she was going to be in the movie way more than she was. Yeah, she's barely in the movie, but she's a badass in the few minutes she's in the movie. She's better yeah. in Knives Out. She's fantastic in Knives Out. <laughs> I still haven't seen that yeah. movie. It was great. Oh, yeah. Don't listen to Jelani. I don't. She's, she's great in Blade Runner. Smart. Yeah. Oh, she is the chick from Blade Runner. 2049. <gasps> oh. Dude, she's she's got it, dude. She's got she it. dated <laughs> Batman for a while, but they're broken up. Which one, Ben or ben. Christian? Ben. Okay, ben. she's like half Ben's age, by the way. But we won't get into that. Mm. Well, <laughs> look at the Roger Moore era Bond girls mm. versus yeah. Roger Moore's age. So she's the perfect Bond girl then, in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's she's pretty great in that one. Man. That's a good pickup. We talk about we have to make sure that this we're talking about Bond girls in the year two thousand and twenty two that. 
Oh boy. Traditionally speaking, when you talk about Bond girls, it's just like who's hottest. And but in the context that we're thinking about it, it's like how good of a character they are. Yeah. And when you look back at the older movies, it's not really very much. Uh... Well, hotness has a part is a part of the equation, but I will say like the first yeah. like badass Bond girl would be Pussy Galore. Like ridiculous name aside, yeah. ridiculous how she fell into Bond's arms in that film. All that aside, she's pretty B.A. And she's got her like own crew of like deadly ass fucking women assassins and shit. Like, yeah, the, Are they the ones dope. in the plane, like the yeah. plane assassins or whatever. The crop dusters or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's some fun stuff. But yeah, at the same time, we appreciate the, the characters. That's what I'm talking about and how how badass. And I love the evolution of the Bond women. I think Strawberry Fields was the last time they did a crazy fucking name. I think everybody since then has been like a normal, you know what I'm saying? Name. Yeah, Strawberry Fields, was was that Quantum? Was that Quantum, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, oh, I hated Denise Richards. She's one of my least, fa- like, least oh, yeah, favorite Christmas Jones. But I love the bit where at the end, or when they're making love, he's like, hmm, I only thought, I thought Christmas only came once a year. Literally the worst fucking line <laughs> in all of Bond films, in my opinion. A movie franchise filled with bad lines. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's even worse than like, this never happened to the other guy. You know what I'm saying? Mm. What about you, Drew? Who's, who would, what Bond girl stands out in your mind? Or who are your favorites? I think the best overall is uh, Vesper, Ava, Ava Green. Just because, I mean, she's great. She's witty, smart can handle her shit saves james bond life early early ish in in the movie uh has an incredible like throughout his entire run is the most important bond girl even over the mother of his kid (laughs) and then it's like so but we've talked about how and listen if i get my balls tortured for hours on end the only woman who can make me feel better is ava green <laughs> Only one. That's what but, your tattoo on your arm says, which is weird. Yeah, it took a while to get him down. Paul Ava Green immediately. But the I'll tattoo be, artist is like, really? All of that? It was Bobby Bobby Hessler and I, uh, the uh <laughs> but I'll be damned. The only good part of a terrible movie is Jinx as ha- Halle Berry <laughs> in Die Another Day. You're right. It's like that movie is the dirt worst. Just an absolute bad movie. Not even a bad uh, Bond movie. Just a terrible movie. But I'll be damned if I ever bad talk Halle Berry. And they wanted to make her a like a like they wanted to spin her out of that movie. And then she made Catwoman. Uh, <laughs> so that never happened. <laughs> I would love some of these characters to have a spinoff. To me, that's that there's so many great characters from the Bond franchise. And you're telling me there's not other MI6 agents that you could follow. What about this badass lady who's 007 for a short time? Naomi, I forget. I don't know her real name. She's awesome in the new film. What about you give her own fucking film? Like spinoff. Because then you break the internet, bruh. Like social media would go crazy. The Twitter just sphere trying would to keep them from making a female James Bond. <laughs> I was like to see other, but I'm just saying there's other MI6 agents. Well, they've got to get into some crazy stuff. One of the things I like about the franchise is that they haven't gone that route when they easily could. But if they did, that chick from uh, 2049, 
Yeah, I'd like to see more of that. Yeah. I'd like to see more of that character because she was awesome. She came in, did her thing, and I love that exchange that she has with Daniel Craig when he where he's like, "You were great," you know, and she's like, "Yeah, let's do it again." Well, unfortunately, that's not going to happen with those two. But I'd like to. Yeah. She's got a prom. She's got a bright future in this industry. I think, John. I think I would like to see a spinoff about his nephew. <laughs> yes, I would too. Maybe a cartoon. Yes, <laughs> in a comic book series, twelve issues from Marvel Comics. I have them. Coming oh, soon to Marvel and the Oh, 90s. I didn't realize. I completely forgot they did that Marvel comic yeah. based on, the, but it's based on the cartoon, right? Yes, one hundred percent. And the toy line, which I don't have any pieces from, but I really want to to get them. So is that all you had, Drew? Yeah, yes, those, those two, those two, uh, Vesper. I first of all, I do like Madeline Swan a lot. I I like her more in No Time to Die than I did in Spectre. Like oh, I yeah. really really kind of feel the the connection and the love story there with James Bond, right? Uh, I got Vesper on my list, but uh outside of that, I got some I got some 60s ones that I really really like. I like the 60 era Bond girl for some reason. Uh Tiffany Case, played by Jill St. Uh, John from Diamonds Are Forever. Um I, she is gorgeous. She's badass and in control in the first like half the movie, but then she becomes this like bumbling ditzy mess and it kind of falls apart as far as the character goes uh fiona from thunderball played by luciana paluzzi bruh she's the uh she's like the she's one of the bad guys she's the on the top of the 60s right she is freaking awesome she's sexy she's dangerous she's got a great character and a great death when bond just leaves her there at that club and he goes huh, mind if she rests here she's just dead that's a great one but my all-time favorite is actually from a movie that a lot of people don't like that I actually love, which is The World Is Not Enough. It's Electra King. Sophie oh, really? Marceau. Yeah, Sophie yes. Marceau, right? First of all, she's the Bond girl, right? Has a true, to me, believable romance and love story with, with Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, right? And then she's also the villain. You could say Renaud's the villain, but she's like the way that she can, she manipulates the womanizing aspect of James Bond, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And that's something I really yeah. like. I think she's a very strong character in a not so strong movie that I just fucking love, right? And uh, then and she also her. has the, yeah, right? And that's a, that's a crazy scene, right? And then she has the benefit of having Denise Richards there. So, you know, it's kind of like, but I, I really like her, man. The World is Not Enough is an underappreciated film. It's not great, but there's a lot of good stuff in it. I think so. It's my second favorite of the, the cars. of it's the second favorite of the Pierce era for me. Really? No. For me too, oh, yeah. man. Hundred percent. But she is she's just a freaking knockout. And then the whole thing with the ears gets me. Ugh. I'm like, she's amazing. Then she takes off the earring and I'm like, oh god, no, no, no. <laughs> You're so superficial, John. Yeah, what happened to the ear? What happened to the ear? But that that's a real thing, the whole like siding with your, you know what I'm saying, the people that capture you. You know what I'm saying? What's that called? That's a legitimate Stockholm Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, that's a legitimate thing. So I yeah. think what hurts the film is she's great in it. Pierce is great in it. Uh the bad guy with his his thing with the with the I, I like all of it. What hurts it is just Denise Richards' character, and this is the only is what hurts that. Film. You know, we didn't mention Robert Carlyle in Best Villains, but I like Renaud in this yeah, movie. Like, he's, he's awesome. Got the, 
He's got that weird gimmick where the bullet or something's getting closer yeah, to his head. He's going to die. Him, he's making him stronger. <laughs> like, well, he can't feel pain. Remember, he's dis- yeah. he's not strong. He, he just he's can't like, feel pain. He's like Bane in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Except that well, he can't feel... Uh, yeah. Zukovsky. Oh, he has Zukovsky. a recurring Valentin role. Valentin Dimitrovich Zukovsky. Yeah. One yeah. of the best villains slash friends. Yeah, we don't have a good bit here for the podcast for like side secondary like other characters, uh, but we should probably yeah. do that in the in between bit when we take our next break. That's that's something to talk about because there's one character I want to talk about who plays a villain in one movie and then shows up as a another character in a different Bond. <laughs> that happens a few times in this franchise. I'm like, wait, he's the big bad guy in episode in the Timothy Dalton film, but why is he a side character? I don't understand. <laughs> why they recast the same actors there's no other actors you're in talking about world. the general you're talking about the general from living daylight yes yes yeah. i am yes i am but i really want to talk about is how can you talk about buying without talking about the gadgets in the cars because that's kind of his his thing man and i noticed too watching the uh going back through and watching the bond films some of my favorites he doesn't even have any gadgets. I, I didn't realize watching some films. I'm like, does he not use gadgets? Or he's got gadgets barely in the film. You, you forget almost that that's, that's sort of like ingrained in him. And also these awesome cars. He has, he, I don't know what MI6's budget is, but they had access to the most beautiful exotic cars. They're typically British. And you would expect that from a British secret agent. Um, so I don't understand what the BMW thing, but, uh, or why he carries a German gun, but um, he has some beautiful cars and beautiful gadgets. So let's talk about those. I'm going to actually start with Drew. Uh, what are your favorite gadgets? What are your favorite cars of, of it, Mr. James Bond? It's very funny that like a lot of my favorite Bond gadgets like aren't used. Like they're just in the queue testing area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the uh the phone booth and then the uh the wheelchair and the the leg uh combo from Goldeneye, the rocket leg. But the fucking like he's just walking by and they get just the phone booth pressed up against it is just one of the funniest things. Some of those are so absurd, like I don't even know how you would institute them in the field. I'm like, yeah. how would <laughs> it seems like get, yeah, it seems like they get crazier and crazier as it goes on. That's like Q's joke. Yeah. Um speaking of Q, you know what I'm saying? That we should have brought him up that mostly yeah. it was the same dude for the majority of those films. Yeah, the uh Desmond Llewellyn. Llewellyn. No, the, uh, great gadgets. That's another thing I love about World is Not Enough is it's tragic and sad, but I feel like it's a pretty somber but good send-off for him when he's like always plan an exit or something like that, and he like goes down into the floor. It's kind of sad though. Really sad. Like, is the did he Isn't that where John home? Cleese is training to be his replacement? Yeah, he shows yeah. up in the movie before, right? In uh Tomorrow Never Dies, he's R. No, no, yeah, and then you find uh, out he's Q's replacement. World's, world's not enough. Not Tomorrow Never Dies. I think he shows up for the first time in Tomorrow Never Dies, right? No. R does. And then and does he not? No. I only I only remember him being in World's Not Enough. I don't okay. I don't recall if he was in other films. It's possible he was in other he films. Was, he was in World's Not Enough. That's the only one. Die Another Day, I know he was in. <laughs> I, I, I die, die Another Day. Yeah. Not World's Not Enough. Die another well, day. he's definitely in World's Not Enough. He's in some film that has die in the title and he's in yeah. world is not enough for sure. John yeah. Cleese was all right, but he wasn't quite Desmond Desmond. No, had, he wasn't. Really, that's, yeah. that's hard shoes to fill. And what an odd choice to get John Cleese. You know what Dude, I'm saying? And what's crazy when I was rewatching him, 
like even in the Sean Connery ones, he already looks old. Oh yeah. So I was like, how, you know, oh, and he, he died he in a car accident. For like 50 years. Yeah. yeah he died in a wild. car accident, which is wild. Like it wasn't even like health or age related. Yeah. Was, I think it was yeah. the following year after the world is not enough. After he like quit the bond franchise, he dies. Well, he was going to come back. He was supposed to come back for the next oh, Bond films. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Well, they got a new Bond anyway, so I guess it made sense to get a new Q. Yeah, we got a new Q, and that was fine. I like the we, new We Q. kept our M, though. Yeah, we kept our M. That's a weird way that works with Judy Dench playing M. Yeah, but, oh, you yeah. know, you just don't Both worry about weird. it, right? It's the and multiverse. We got a new M again. Yeah, but it's the multiverse, but. I like the new Q too. He's pretty. He's pretty cool. I don't know. The, I don't yeah. remember the cat's name. It doesn't make a sense though. If Q was supposed to be a quartermaster, you get somebody that it's got time under their belt. It has experience. That doesn't make sense. He's too young for the role. I like him as an actor. I like him as Q. But I'm saying if if Q stands for quartermaster, it doesn't make any sense that they get somebody. It, it'd have to be somebody that was older. Nobody gets to a quartermaster at that age anyway. Yeah. Uh, no. So I have. I take issue with that. For the job. Q is a prodigy. <laughs> yeah well that'd be it was what about you uh goldsmith gadgets speaking of gadgets don't you aren't you a fan of the ppks oh yeah the P, yeah i do have a walther ppks made by uh inner arms in gadsden alabama in the 90s but i think my favorite gadget of all time is the um the cell phone from tomorrow never dies that had the taser function and the fingerprint scanner and he flipped it open and this was in like 1997 i think 97 yeah. yeah the cell phone it was a nokia flipped open and he could control remote control his car and then also activate all the gadgets in the car like dump the the spike strips and sh- or the spike you sure it was a nokia things or whatever I think it was I a Sony was. Ericsson. Yeah, Sony Ericsson had the it contract. Been, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because I had a, sh- I had a, I got a shirt from Sony Ericsson that's got the Bond logo on it. But in any case, <laughs> you that, nerd. That, that phone, <laughs> that phone is the best Bond gadget of all time because it was so multifunctional. Yeah. And he literally used every function of the gadget. <laughs> he had to drive it from the back seat, which was even cooler. I thought. Yeah. Like I love that scene. I he think it's great in action. The back scene. seat, and he was. Driving the car from the back seat. It's a cool he, car too. Was that the, was that thing? He launched the missiles and he. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was that a BMW? Awesome. That car? Yeah, that's when they were doing the BMW, BMW contract. Yeah. Yeah, because they introduced that Z4 in GoldenEye, and then he had BMWs until the Aston Martin came back towards the end of Pierce Brosnan's run, and then he's been all Aston Martin for Daniel Craig. But that, I remember that Sony Ericsson. That makes sense, though. I mean, if you were stopped, so you were a secret agent, and you're st- you're stopped at a checkpoint or something, having the watch is a gadget. Makes sense. You could wear a watch. Having the cell phone. I mean, some of that makes sense. Some of the other gadgets don't necessarily make sense. Like, what, what the hell is that? So I like the ones that are more discreet. But I've always a really big fan of the cars. What about you, Robbie? What are your, some of your favorite gadgets, some of your favorite cars for Mr. Bond, James Bond? Well, you know, I'm not the the biggest car guy like a some lot would, of y'all some would agree with that someone agree right but i do like film cars right like i like blades charger right and i like the batmobile and oh, i like yeah. i like kit from night rider ecto one i like the ecto one you know all that kind of stuff and, and so i always think of bond cars right so i like that classic 
Eston Martin or whatever, whichever one is from Goldfinger. Like, I love that one. That one, yeah, that Aston one, Martin's gorgeous. Yeah, top Bond car plus it has all those gadgets. Yeah, I think it is right. The DB5 is that what it is? The DB5, um, the gold, the silver one. That's that's what the same one that he uses in the new movies with Daniel yeah. Craig. That's yes. a callback to all that. He does that. Like, he used it. Doesn't he use that in the beginning of No Time to Die? Yeah, that's that's Bond's personal car. I like that, but I I also really like the Lotus Esprit. Is it S1 from the Spy Who Loves Me? The one that goes is becomes a submarine. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I love it. It's it's the white one. I think it comes back and it's like this orange or some shit, but I like that white. Like, The Spy Who Loved Me, I think a lot of people like that movie, and I guess it's okay, actually, for the most part, but I really like that car. I love, my favorite Aston Martin, though, visually, is the V8 Volante from Living Daylights. That car just looks so fucking badass to me, John. Like, it's a beautiful car. I think it's fucking amazing. As far as gadgets and other or another vehicle, I love love little Nelly from You Only Live Twice. That's Q's portable little helicopter thing that he, he oh, shoots yeah, to James Bond. Yeah. I fucking love that thing. I love the jetpack from the beginning of Thunderball because that was a real jetpack, but it would only go for like 20 or 30 seconds. But that's really a dude flying a jetpack off that roof. I, I love that bit. Uh, I love the pin in Goldeneye because in every movie, he has the perfect gadget for each situation because he just so happens that Boris is there played by Alan Cummings. And he has this, this tick where he likes to click a pin yeah, yeah, over yeah. and over. And he winds up getting the pin <laughs> and, and, and it blows up. And I love that. Speaking of which, I love the key fob from living daylights that Timothy Dalton has to have. And, it, and yeah, it he sings the, that song or whatever. Yeah. And it releases the gas and all that stuff. And uh, but my favorite Bond gadget, you know, not car included, is the cigarettes from You Only Live Twice that are like bullets. Like they shoot a bullet, man. I love like the gun cigarette. It's so badass. And Roger Moore smoked a cigar. Timothy Dalton and uh, Sean Connery smoked cigarettes. And they're two of my favorite James Bonds. So I'm just going to say, you know, cigarettes important to James Bond. You brought up real real quick. You brought up a, a gadget that was unique to Q, the um, his fishing boat from the world is not enough. That oh, actually yeah. went underwater. That's, oh uh, yeah, that's my that fishing was, boat or whatever. He that's my retirement yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, he takes that's off great, with the jet with the jet engine. That whole scene, yeah, and yeah. and it goes underwater, and Pierce Brosnan goes underwater and. Straightens his tie underwater. <laughs> That's a very Bond thing. I do love that little yeah. that little jet boat thing, and I like how it actually comes out of mi 6s actual building. Like that's mi 6s actual hey. headquarters in the UK. <laughs> not not at the water either. It sh fucking shoots out like five stories. <laughs> yeah. <up>. <laughs> I was re when I was rewatching uh uh the Spy Who Loved Me when they in his in Blowfields. Uh, base, you know, he's got that water base, right? And when they take off, they like shoot out of a the same type of thing. They got this boat that shoots out of the side and drops down. But when you watch it, it's clearly like like a model in the mannequins inside. Don't even look <laughs> close. It's it's some of the worst because Bond has some of the most beautiful special effects. Yeah, and they go to some of these exotic locations. And then some of the earlier films, some of the some of the special effects are just like. I, I don't know if it's budget or just a sign of the times. Cause I'm okay yeah. with the rear projection. That's a sign of the times. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, but, I, I, the production design too, like with the sets, right? Like you were talking about Spy Who Loved Me, the that that underground base is badass. It's not Blofeld, oh, yeah. though. It's another guy. It's not Blofeld, but it's a. I can't. Oh, you're right. It's name. not Blofeld. It's the it's the crazy guy obsessed with aquatic sea creatures, and he's trying to. Is um, he? What's his plot? He's like trying to kill everybody or something to have. Yeah, a, yeah. He's trying to start kingdom? World War. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to start <laughs> World War Three, and he steals those submarines, and then. He's obsessed with fish. And if you watch him too, he's always eating. One day he's eating crab. The next day he's eating oysters. He only eats a quad because he's got that water base. So I'm like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he can go underwater. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, it wasn't Blowfield. I forgot the dude's name. But uh, yeah, he's 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 great. And he calls Bond out because he doesn't think he thinks Bond's Bond. And he's like, ask him about those fish. And then Bond's got this whole fucking spiel memorized, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, that's he, what was it, the ichthyologist or whatever he's pretending to yeah. be. He's like Bond doesn't actually do a lot of spy work in these movies. That's why I think a lot of people like things like From Russia with Love because it feels a little bit more kind of like that. He and if he does spy, he's not a good one because he's always he's, he just shows up and gets caught. And he's like the most obvious fucking spy. Like literally, he's videotaped in like the Daniel Craig films, right? And you're just like, what, like, like, how are you even a spy now? Everybody knows who you are. What are, you're such a car guy in particular, John. I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts well i you actually used a lot of them so there's that mustang and diamonds forever which is great but really i'm a big fan of the aston martins they're beautiful cars i love the one in the living daylights uh it's i it's it's shame that they destroy it you know what i'm saying it's cool it's still it's got those cool features and go in the snow remember you just happen to be snow equipped he knew it was and gonna he, be a snowy area he uses all of them and i love it i love it when they they use they have to use all the gimmicks in the yeah car. they there's a lot of gimmicks and uh beautiful car though that's that's one of my favorite astons of all time even though it doesn't have this curvy as as the newer cars or the older cars it's more boxy but I love if you the look front at the, of it with the headlights it just looks so yeah sharp. and the fog lights in the center and the 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 sharp angles of the hood it's a beautiful car so I really like that. My my favorite though by far is the the Lotus Esprit, and you said that already. The one that turns into a submarine. It's such a cool car. It's such an iconic British car. So I'm happy. He was Aston Martin, which are British, and then he goes. To, then he was Lotus, which is British. Then he goes to BMW. I'm like, oh, what the fuck, man? He's he's a British secret agent. He should be driving a British car. So I'm happy he went returned to Aston Martin. But I, I do love it when he's in the Lotus, and that's you know that was kind of the the cool car in the 70s was the the lotus esprit so it's nice to see him driving around in a lotus because he's james bond man and some of some of the highlights of the roger moore air i think is the lotus yeah what do you think about gadgets i i i really am envious of those watches because he not only has watches that really do cool things like he's got a, a freaking omega omega uh, like a Speedmaster or something like that he's also got his watches are not just cool watches they're based on watches that have an MSRP of like forty five hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? Just modify a fucking Timex, man. And my six has got a budget, man. Apparently they large do. large budget. Yeah, apparently they do because he's also got the nicest tailored suits. You know what I'm saying? Bond never That's looks like sloppy. <laughs> I I so. love the uh, the bit where uh, Vesper and Casino Royale like gives him a new suit and he's like. I have a suit. It's tailored. And then like that whole, like their love story is very genuine, you know, and a friend of the show, you know, and a member of the excitable crew, Jelani loves romances, apparently in film more than anybody else. We just recently found out on PCP movie night. So he, uh, yeah, I do. I like the watches. He's got the, you know, there's the one where he's got the grappling hook. He's got the one, what's the new one. Doesn't it like, doesn't it have like an EM, 
uh, like electromagnetic pulse oh, or something in it, and he destroys that yeah. guy's eye. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> what are the odds? And uh, so I always like he's always got really cool watches. They're always really high end watches. I Roger some of Roger Moore had that uh, one with the the TV in it, the black and white TV, or, or the, oh, he yeah. had the TV. And he was looking at that chick's tits, like just through the TV or whatever. Yeah, They're, they all. He's always the watches are my favorite. He's always got some cool watches. The uh, I think too that I think is important is like with that watch with the TV in it. It's fun to look at it now, but it's like but back then, like imagining watching TV on a watch is yeah. Like I, how I was, doing, I was doing a little bit of research today, and apparently some some company was like did a sponsorship or something and they made a video watch in the eighties. It was like a black and white crude video watch. And apparently it just sucked, but I was like, man, I'd like to get a hold of one of those at a pawn shop or something. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I see a Sony watchman, which were like the Walkmans with the little black and white TV that was like an inch by an inch. Yeah. Whenever I see them on like Facebook or eBay, I'm like, ah, <laughs> what would i do with that you know what i'm that's, saying could i even get any channels with that's the that? same feeling i get every time i see a virtual boy <laughs> yeah see see the difference is i won't go blind watch well maybe i would watch <laughs> watchman depending on what you watch with it yeah they should have done a collaboration now i think about it with dc comics that would have been, sony missed out i'll tell you what man been having great discussion tonight but one of my favorite things personally about james bond the entire franchise the thing that is always celebrated each James Bond movie, regardless of where it's placed in the, in the, in the zeitgeist of the moment, right. Is always an event. Right. And I think that one of the things that makes it an event is that each one has a really big deal theme song attached to it. Right. Plus the music overall you got John Barry doing most of it, especially in the beginning until he eventually left the franchise. Oh, yeah. I wish I would have remembered this dude's name. I should have written it down. But the guy who did most of the the uh, Pierce Brosnan ones. And some oh, of yeah. The Daniel John Craig Wilkes ones. Booth. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Eric Sarah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, not the GoldenEye guy, but the guy Eric who Sarah did uh, who did Casino Royale. Whoever did that. Um, God, I can't remember his name. Uh, <clears throat> Casino Royale was, I have it, David Arnold. Is David the, Arnold, uh, that's the guy. Dave Arnold stuff is really freaking solid too. <clears throat> it's got a great sound attached to it that has a lot of elements that work, certain chords, certain progressions, certain sounds like the big horns, the subdued strings, and sometimes the, the out there strings. You got that surf rock guitar, you know, that twangy, Wang. and you got that chord right so it all works together and the best bond songs the best bond scores all work and build from that so i'm really curious because i'm such you know me a fan of music in film and bond to me is just like the best the absolute best i want to know what do you think about the music overall what's your favorite theme songs give me a couple if you need to give me a give me several just there's a lot of them. Let's get this conversation going. I'm excited. This is my favorite shit about Bond movies is the music. Drew, what do you think? The 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 main theme, the da -na, na -na, na -na, like that that theme is just iconic now and it's been around forever. Like I always think of like the because I played a lot of the GoldenEye video game, I that music pops into my head a lot because they used a lot of the same, like the plunk, the, uh, like those sound effects and everything that were yeah. in the score. 
as far as themes, I did not know that everybody like apparently hated "You Know My Name." Like a lot of people don't like it, and I oh, really I love that song. Chris Cornell. Yeah, yeah, I really like, it, but it's like when I because you know I just try and get like an, a view of like the popular opinion. It's like a lot of people fucking don't like that uh, well, for a Bond theme. At the time, I know a lot of people didn't, and at the time, I didn't because to me, it didn't have some of the elements. But they were really subtle, I think, in that film, in that one, because it, it was so rock, right? But yeah, but I really like that theme today, and I think that today it's highly regarded in hindsight versus how it was. But it was detested at first, but not as detested as the Jack White Alicia Keys one, which I do <gasps> I do kind of like, like, but it that. is out of place. Yeah. I love it. Fuck y'all if you don't. I fucking love which it. one, the Chris Cornell or the Jack White? Both. Both. I don't like the Jack White one, but I like I like I like Jack I like Jack White less than most people. There's one for the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> well, but other than that, I think of the Goldfinger. Oh, yeah, Shirley Bassey always pops into my head, and then the uh, I'll leave Live and Let Die because I have a reasonable thing that John is just going to gush over it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up because I'm going to assume that's John's whole take on this. It'll be twenty twenty minute essay uh, <laughs> on the the composition of that. But other than that, like, be like that time you were talking about that scene on Lost. Yeah, ah! yeah, absolutely. <laughs> great, great scene. Much better than Paul McCartney, not but <laughs> no, the uh, most popular one probably, and the one I might have listened on its own the most was still Skyfall, but that's because Adele is like absurdly talented and it's like it's still probably the most popular uh theme if you look at just like views and listens and streams but that but that helps because like adele is like a mega star probably the biggest person other than paul mccartney that they've had do it it's a great song that uses all of those elements too though like yeah like there, there are certain elements that really work for some of the bond songs and if you really look at it like my least favorite Bond songs are from like the late seventies and early eighties. Most of the Roger Moore ones where they went away from that formula and they were doing those like fucking ballads. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody does it better. I fucking hate well, that song. I think that's a good segue into me. Yeah. Let's go to you, Justin. Cause, cause you probably got favorite. some. Oh, nobody God. does it better. Isn't that Carly Simon? I fucking love that song. It yeah. is Carly Simon. And I think it's, it might be my favorite bond theme not just because of the movie but because of the context they use that song after desmond llewellyn the guy who played q for so long died they did a tribute video that played at the beginning of the world is not enough vhs and it was i like have a, that right over there it it you then you know what we we've brought this up before. We've had several of these Bond podcasts that we haven't posted. <laughs> but nobody does it better. Baby, you're the best. It's just oh, it's Jesus. one of the best. I think but, isn't that one of the first Bond songs where they don't say the title in the because they they did that with the Daniel Craig air. But prior she said to that, that in I there think, though, she says she it. Say? She goes, "The spy who loved me." Oh, oh I and the spy that. who loved me. Yeah, yeah, that's the spy who loved nobody me. Nobody does it better. Like that's the name of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nobody. <laughs> the spy who loved nobody me. Nobody does it better. Is in the. But she yeah, says it in the, the in the. Oh, yeah. I I couldn't yeah. remember that. Octopussy though, 
that one uh doesn't <laughs> that one doesn't say the title i don't think oh you might I, be right uh too hard to rhyme though. i'm gonna <laughs> skip away from this by the way because that's the best bond theme by the way that's my hard take but also uh one of my favorites is it didn't make it to be a theme but it was during the credits of tomorrow never dies and damn it i was about to say bd wong that's not who was who the fuck the Katie Lang the song during the you talking about Katie, Katie Lang. Lang yeah yeah Katie Lang I have I have no doubt he could do it <laughs> he could but yeah at the end of tomorrow never dies Katie Lang tomorrow yeah that's a good song never dies yeah that's a good song I like the Cheryl Crow bit too I like I like her song it, yeah I love it too and, it, and Tina Tina Turner doing Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Yeah. So many good Bond themes. Hell yeah. Speaking of so many good ones and that nobody can do it better. What about you, Hammer Time Holshue? Well, one nobody's mentioned yet is Live and Let Die by Sir Paul McCartney, who just announced a big American tour, by the way. Won't be going. I may go. Uh, how far is Knoxville from here? I might have to look into that. Couple Not hours. Too far. Not too okay. Far. So I might I might check into that. Anyway, the last time I went and saw him, I had to give up a kidney and a, and two legs to this his tickets are not cheap because he's Sir Paul McCartney. There's a good did, minor league the way, team there too, the Knoxville Knockers. Who did, by the way, <laughs> Live and Let Die, <laughs> which is a great song. And also covered by uh who who's the who's the uh what's this Axel Rose in the company? What's their names? Guns and Roses who Thank like to you. cover and butcher fucking classic songs. Yes. Yeah. They covered it, but the, the the original, the classic, it's such a great song. And uh, it's such a good, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's it's a better song than the movie deserved. I like Living Let Die, the movie. It's not my favorite Bond movie or my least favorite, but it's definitely one of the better songs. But I'm also going to throw out, I'm probably going to tie Living Let Die with this song because one of my favorite bands of all time, and Robbie can attest to this, I'd say um, is Garbage. And so the world is not enough. Yeah, I'm a big garbage fan. I really like Shirley Manson. And it's a beautiful song. They did a really good job. It's that classic Bond song. You know what I'm saying? You can tell it was produced by you the people that do this. the Bond music. We were talking about this the other day, and you mentioned garbage, and I thought you were making a joke about it, but I'm actually glad you put that as one of your favorite songs. because it It's really it's an amazing good. song, man. And Garbage is seriously one of my favorite bands. It just so happens that probably two of my favorite Bond songs are by two of my favorite musicians. So I'm a big garbage fan. They're also touring, by the way, got to have a new album out. Um, I, well, they were touring. I was going to go see them and then they got canceled because of COVID. So I don't know if it got rescheduled. I, I don't know if they're still touring or not, but they do have a new album. So big garbage fan. So in the world, not again, Shirley Manson's got some range and it's just beautiful, beautiful song. And I should post up on the Facebook PCP group, when they when they did that song on Letterman because it was done they did it so great you know oh yeah I've seen that I know what you're talking about yeah yeah it's done so well it's beautifully done and she's awesome that's a that's a damn good Bond song it is a damn good Bond song I really hate to make the joke because John just said he's a good garbage fan (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fan of garbage but the song is very good (laughs) yeah it is it is a pretty good song I could go on for hours on this yeah there's yeah. other songs i'm leaving out and there's just there's a lot of great music in the bond songs and that's what strikes me as you go back and watch the original films there's the start you know start with the sean connery air 
and you don't really have a Bond song. You know what I'm saying? It's later on they're like, oh, let's do a let's get a famous person do a theme song. They sort of they sort of changed up at some point in time, and so that came an expectation, and yeah. people look forward to that. Like, who's gonna big the big celebrity that's doing the next one? Because that's, that's what they always did was they always tried to get somebody who's popular in the. But era that's not how it started. And, I'm just saying. Like when when uh, uh, Die Another Day, uh, Madonna. Madonna did Die Another Day, and I hate everybody that song. Fucking hate it. Well, John hates it too. It's <laughs> most not, people it's do. Really, not that bad of a song. Well, okay, so I could I could go on and on about about all of this stuff, but I'll go ahead and I I came up with the top ten with a lot of cheats because I just love Bond music. So first of all, honorable mentions: "You Only Live Twice," Nancy Sinatra, great yeah. song, uh, and "Tomorrow Never Dies," Sheryl Crow. Love those great songs. songs. Okay. I agree with those two. Number ten, "The Edge," and Tina Turner. Golden Eye. Oh yeah. Great song. Golden Eye. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Number Tina nine. has got that very distinct sound. I forgot the edge did the guitar work on that. Yeah, it's really, really good. Number nine, Thunderball by Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Yeah, it's Tom because Jones. Yeah. Great song. And this dude, because all that these these people get usually is a title. Write a song involving this title. What do you do with Thunderball? So Thunderball Tom Jones did it. Number eight, Skyfall. Adele, you touched on that. Classic sounding Bond yep. song. Great song. Fucking fantastic. Number seven, No Time to Die. Billie Eilish. I love that I'm fucking really song. I'm really glad you mentioned that. It's a great that. song. It was so good. I completely forgot about it. I just watched the fucking movie tonight. I honestly, yeah. when they announced her, I'm like, oh, what? I was so disappointed. But the actual song John is amazing. This song. Yeah. I, I didn't believe it. it. He's like, oh, it's going to be great. And, and it was. It was, it was really good. Yeah. Like I've, ne- I don't know if I've ever heard another Billie Eilish song, but I love this. It sounds like a Bond song. Yeah, I don't feel I don't feel really listen too. Billie Eilish, that "No Time to Die" was one of my like, top fives, probably. Nice. My number six, "Die Another Day," Madonna. God <laughs> like, damn it! I got to put Madonna <laughs> on here. Come on, man! I love that song. I actually have lyrics to that, like hung up in my bedroom so I see him every day because it means something to I'd me. I'd rather so, have an earwig get in my ear and listen to that fucking song. It is okay. a good song. And that movie is not so bad. We should have a separate podcast about that movie. Number five, Living Daylights by Aha. Ah, I love that song. Love that song intensely. Number four, Garbage, The World Is Not Enough for Before Said Reasons. Number three is a tie. Shirley Bassey, Moonraker. Just kidding. Not Moonraker. I was going to say Diamonds Are Forever and Goldfinger. Come on. Yeah. Classic Bond songs. Absolutely amazing. I love Diamonds Are Forever. And every time I hear it, I'm just waiting for Jay-Z and Kanye West to show up. Number two, Duran ah. Duran of You to a Kill. Oh, me yeah. And, me and Justin and our buddy, Terrific mm. Tad, used to always yeah. end karaoke Wednesday nights doing of You to a Kill. That would be my favorite, but I'm going to go with On Her Majesty's Secret Service. First of all, you got that great Louis Armstrong song, right? Uh, we have all the time in the world. And then when you juxtapose that song with the end of the movie, holy shit, like that movie hits hard. We're going to be talking about that. But I'm talking about the main theme, which is the John Barry Orchestra. Yeah, there's that no whole, lyric. There's no lyrics. Bum, it's just, yeah. bum, 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 bum. Like that's, that score is amazing. And they reference it. They reference the hell out of that in No Time to Die, yeah. which I love. And it really flips the expectation of of what that those themes are supposed to represent in a bond movie with the death of the wife and then now we're getting the death of bond so supposedly 
Yeah, but anyway, that's that's my top 10 plus. Uh covering a lot of good ones. So uh really great Bond music there. When we come back, we'll be talking about our favorite Bonds. Period. Who's your favorite actor to play Bond? And we'll be ranking our top five favorite James Bond films in the entire history right here on Pop Culture Philosophers. Welcome back to Pop Culture Philosophers. We're talking about James Bond. This is the Bond cast. And uh, we're talking about gadgets, Bond girls, music, etc. But I actually talk about the many famous and great actors that played Bond, James Bond. Um, I'm actually going to start with Goldsmith because Goldsmith, Goldsmith himself is an actor. And if he was British, I think he could be a James Bond. Yeah, I could. I think oh, that's I a requirement, or Scottish, or something from the UK. I think yeah. at least a, at least a Felix Leiter. Oh, he'd be a great Felix. The old Felix is dead. Let's get let's get Goldsmith as the new I'd Felix. Do I do. I would. I root for you. Who's your Tell favorite? Wait, who 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 are some of your favorite Bond actors, or who who stands out in your mind? It's you I'm as Bond. Gonna, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Fucking Pierce Brosnan to me is the final evolution of James Bond. Like uh, final to evolution? me, Daniel Craig. Da- well, so when Daniel Craig first became James Bond, he was like the the beginning. Uh, he was the blunt instrument or whatever that they were shaping into an agent or whatever. Um, George Lazenby, I'll come back to in a second. Timothy Dalton. All that, like all the mid-range bonds, whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty drunk. Whatever. But uh, Pierce Brosnan is <laughs> what I think is the final evolution of James Bond. Or at least the one you is... identify most is James Bond. Well, okay, yeah. so how old were you when Goldeneye came out, Justin? Uh, it was 1995, six, six right? Six years old. Yeah, bro, that's your bond. That's your, <laughs> yeah, that's who you grew up <laughs> He's with. my bond. Yeah, but even still, I think like when I think of all the actors that played James Bond and the way they portrayed them, like I can think of a different age range. Well, now that Daniel Craig has portrayed him to be so much older, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Fuck. Roger Moore was an old Bond too. You know, but yeah, yeah Pierce yeah, Bronson he has the, a he's he a he's, the, Roger Moore was the older. He was like the the cheeky old guy from next door or whatever. Ha! <laughs> in my eyes, Pierce Brosnan is like the final evolution of like just being sexy and suave and able and all the whatever. Yeah, yeah, he really he really kind of embodies everything you'd want in Dr. Fate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct. Pierce Bros is my favorite Bond. Let's move on. The show just jumped oh, the shark, wait, wait, which wait. means that Bond did, went to space. I did watch the, um, um, there's a documentary on Hulu, um, uh, Becoming Bond. That yeah, the George Lazenby thing. Today about George Lazenby. And it's so fucking interesting because he, did not graduate from high school. He was a car mechanic and then saw 
that the car salesmen were talking to the girls. So he was like, oh, shit, I want to sell the cars instead of work on them. So he did that, and then blah, blah, blah. And it's super interesting how he... He basically conned his way into being James Bond. Exactly. And, he and had then, never acted before. He was yeah. a, he And then he felt too good modeling. for the role. Yeah, he felt too good for the role because he got into the counterculture. And his agent told him that James Bond was like like an, an agent of the military-industrial complex. And it was a thing of the past. And there was a new age coming. And he got all hippie and he grew a beard and uh, his hair out for the uh, premiere of his movie and like it pissed the bond producers off. So they oh, just got rid of his. More stuff than I did. Oh man. Boy, uh, there's a documentary was... on the uh, bond Blu-ray set that uh, John got me for Christmas. That was fantastic. John, you should check out that documentary. If you didn't, it's like an hour and a half thing on the last disc. Brilliant. Just about the history. It's, it's actually a documentary about your documentary Goldsmith, the making of your documentary. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, George Lazenby seems like the m- most interesting of the actors that played the character. I mean, he was pretty so, phenomenal in the one role that he's in. You know what I'm saying? Him. He's in one film. He does a great job in that film, even though it's just one film. Especially considering that was his first acting gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah he does a great they, job. And he also, yeah, I think it's they, the only Bond film where there are no him. fucking gadgets. Drew, uh, who are you, some of your favorite Bond actors or who stands out in your mind? Uh, my first one was Pierce Brosnan, although that Goldeneye came out when I was five. But you know, my parents were all right because they were like, in whatever." It's they it's let James me. They Bond. let me. Yeah, it's like it's James Bond. Like it's not going to be like people may die, but it's not going to be like too bad. Or like I'm not going to get nightmares because of it. The uh, but unfortunately, like the rest of the Pierce Brosnan movies sucked. And the like, I mean, I'm sorry that you can't handle me being right, but the (laughs) (laughs) uh, I feel like it, but Goldeneye was so good, and it like I felt like there was like he seemed younger than the most recent James, like the previous James Bond, because like Roger Moore was already old as shit when he took over, and like he just looked physically younger, and I felt like that we were going to get that uh physicality and like the fight scenes in golden eye with like trevelyan and uh on top were so good and so i thought that we were going to get that like oh this guy could actually kick somebody's ass right when you were talking about the next evolution it's like i felt like daniel craig was just like the promise of the pierce brosnan batman bat or not batman uh james bond that we never got with like the rest of the pierce brosnan movies like he had that physicality and then he had like it was funny like he he could put the charms on anyone he looked great like he he came out of the water shirtless as opposed to the bonger like he looked great and then it's like and then you had fight scenes throughout the movies where he like and each of those villains felt like a like a, most of them felt like a credible threat to him like especially physically like the chief just whipping the absolute shit out of his nuts and Ooh. <laughs> and, uh, the whole and, world will know that you were scratching my balls. Di- you died scratching my balls, <laughs> and and that's and Silva was a, clearly a credible threat. And like all the I, like, I feel like he's like those movies were like consistently good to great, and like Skyfall and Skyfall and Casino Royale are in my top five. 
and only one other bond has those for me. Like can gotcha. tie that for me. What about you, Robbie? Who who's one of your favorites and who stands out in your mind? Well, I got to give a big major shout out to Daniel Craig. I love him. I love his bond. I've convinced I've been convinced by his story. Like that is a character that evolved, right? That's a bond that you like out of all the other bonds, Daniel Craig's evolved from the beginning to the end of his career. And that's that's monumental to see. I have soft spot in my heart for Timothy Dalton, for George Lazenby, but my number one favorite is still Sean Connery. To me, that is James Bond. He is hard-edged, but he's charming. He is campy, but at the same time, he's he's able to... Sean Connery was able to play the physicality of it in a threatening way, in a seductive way, and also in a campy type of way. So to me, when I think of James Bond, I think of those 60s movies first and foremost, and Sean Connery was the beginning. Everybody did their own thing, and I really respect each and every one for what they did, even Roger Moore, who is my least favorite Bond. But Sean Connery, to me, I just cannot get enough of Bond, James Bond. The first time he says it at the card table or whatever in Dr. No, I'm transfixed, encharmed, enchanted by this dude. Sean Connery's my number one. I do like Sean Connery. I appreciate Con- Sean Connery. I think when I was younger, was it TBS or TNT that was always rerunning? the Roger Moore films, like nonstop. So that was really my introduction. I was like, oh, this, these are cool, but he doesn't seem like he's a tough, he doesn't seem like he's tough enough, in my opinion. And then I was introduced to Timothy Dalton. I was like, well, this guy's a badass. Of course, he only does two films, but I felt like it kicked it up a notch as far as, as him being actual, like having the physical, you know what I'm saying? That he could take out some of these henchmen and stuff. He just seems like a badass. And of course, his roles, his two films he's in, he does he does play more of a badass, but it was called for in those roles, especially License to Kill when he's out for vengeance. You know what I'm saying? So, and then you and then and then we get Pierce Brosnan. So the first Bond film I ever saw in the theater was Goldeneye. So seeing Pierce Brosnan and seeing that in the theater, you know, I I really sort of dismissed Roger Moore because of now I go back and I enjoyed some of those films and I like Roger Moore, but I dismissed it because of the reruns and and some of the stuff in that, and I felt he was kind of soft. But I do like him going back and watching those. And then it changed my mind with Timothy Dalton. But then seeing Goldeneye in the theater the first time, I'm like, oh, the Pierce Brosnan has like something, there's a suaveness to him while also being a badass. You know, Timothy Dalton-ish. I was kind of mad that Timothy Dalton was gone, but I really did like uh, Pierce Brosnan and enjoyed those films. And I saw, I've seen every Bond film since then in the theaters. I got to see all the, the Pierce Brosnan ones. I worked at the theater for some of those. And then, uh, I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones, but Goldeneye hit me in a different way because I got to see it in the theater. So I really appreciated Pierce. I really liked Pierce. It seemed more suave than Timothy, but Timothy does was suave. It's, Timothy seemed more, uh, I don't know, rough around the edges, which I think Daniel Craig sort of brings to that. And you're right. Daniel Craig's great in the role, but I think he also had the only one that had more films than him. You got Sean Connery, but it was sort of like, it's weird because it, he left and then came back or whatever. But Roger Moore had probably the greatest chance to develop his character. And it's not his fault, but his character didn't seem to evolve. You know what I'm saying? He had seven films he could have done. They could have. And they're really all independent films versus Daniel Craig's films really do depend on each other. But it helps does build this character. You find out, you know, how his heart was broken. And, and, you know, it just evolves him chasing Quantum and then Spectre. And then and then you got Madeline and. 
Mr. being Mr. White's daughter and then Madeline returns and then they do build up on that. And so he, he's got much, they flesh out his character more. So it's easier to like him because they just, you know, he, there's, there's, there's more character. There's more character growth. Yeah. There's more character growth and people complain about that in all types of films. Oh, there's no character growth. There's no character growth. Well, in this one, we were lucky enough, but the downfall of that is some of these films don't stand well on their own. Quantum is nothing without Casino. And the new one, which I keep forgetting the damn name. No Time to Die. No Time to Die is is expecting you went and saw Spectre. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's too many returning characters. And uh, well, we're in great. the world of the MCU, right? Oh, so. yeah. It's exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so they have to be interconnected, but... Daniel Craig's great in it. I really do like the Daniel Craig films. I think he's a phenomenal actor, and I think he he's even more buff. You know what I'm saying? I would say Timothy Dalton was the most physically imposing up until Daniel Craig. And Daniel Craig is freaking ripped, man. You can yeah, see Daniel man. Craig was like, I'm going to be the the Bond that, that can kick everybody's ass that you would expect from the books, that you would expect in these movies. You look at some of the stuff that Roger Moore is doing, and you're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. He can do that. And you're like, well, could he really? Because when I saw him without a shirt on, he's got a dad bod. You know, I, I think some of the best action sequences in the entire franchise are from the Daniel Craig era. Oh, yeah. Right. Outside of the bobsled chase from On Her Majesty's Secret <laughs> Service. Okay. But like even Quantum of Solace, which I do really like. Like, okay. I, I love that movie. It is suffering from the writer's strike and yeah. from trying to be like Jason Bourne. Itis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the fight scenes, the action scenes and that even are amazing but like yes. my favorite action scene in a bond film period might be the opening of casino royale where james bond has the unfortunate luck to have to chase a parkour fucking expert yeah across the fucking the crane. Oh, that, that yeah crane. the crane it's beautifully sick. shot too by the way so yeah he's very imposing he does a great job so my favorite is probably timothy dalton because that was the first time i realized that he could be suave and a badass but yeah. it was it but Piers brosnan brought a, a level of suaveness that I don't think Dalton had. Maybe, I don't know what it was. Um, but ultimately, Daniel Craig, I, I enjoyed him more so as Bond than others, but they also got to flesh out his characters. I'd like to see what Timothy Dalton would have done had he had four or five films. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, you, I, 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 I saved Timothy Dalton for you because I know you love him, friend of the show. Yeah, uh, cardboard cutout still probably there yeah. in your possession, right? It is. It is. We love him. I as sleep James with it Bond. every night next to my Raquel Welch pillow. Yeah, he's the tragic James Bond because to me, I feel like that is missed opportunity. He's a Shakespearean yeah. actor coming in to do the role, and he made it darker. He always felt a little bit. I think I was watching a lot of Joe Blow videos. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Joe Blow James Bond revisited stuff on YouTube, you need to check that out. But he was pointing out that he's a little bit more uncomfortable with the, the camp aspect, with the one-liners, with the suaveness, things like that. But there's certain things that really work in both of those movies for me. And I really wish he would have gotten three or four movies. Yeah, I wish I wish he would have started, you know, I wish Roger Moore would have exited earlier. I like Roger Moore, but I think if he would have started earlier, maybe stuck around longer, who knows? Yeah. Uh, maybe we wouldn't have got Moonraker. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, what if, what if, what if Timothy Dalton started his career? You know what I'm saying? 
Like start Moon- at Moonraker. That would be the end of his beginning and the end of his career. <laughs> yeah, Moonraker is one of the more fun Roger Moore James Bond movies to me. I have problems with it, but it's not the it's not his worst film by any means. And I I, I feel like I'm bashing Roger Moore a lot, but I do like Roger Moore. I think some of the I think some of the good Bond films are Roger Moore films, and I think he was great. I just think that they kept around too long, and his age started to show, and uh, and then some of the some of the campy stuff. Most of the complaints I have about the Roger Moore era isn't Roger Moore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. He, he was in charge of those scripts, you know? So, but well, uh, I don't think that they wrote the character to him. Oh, I agree. So much. I think they did it the best and for your eyes only. And, uh, the spy who loved me, but I, and I do have a soft spot in my heart for a man with a golden gun and live and let die a little bit. I don't mind watching those ones, but octopusy and some of the others, Oh my, even for your eyes only, I don't like watching that fucking movie, man. But I'm I'm interested in hearing everybody's favorites now, though. Oh yeah, that's interesting to hear uh, the the top five because it feels like we're being negative. But for the most part, I don't think there's any Bond films that I I hate. You know what I'm saying? And there's highlights and the lowlights, but I don't think there's anything really bad. I can go out and pick things, but I'm interested to hear what you there's guys. There's only is. there's only one I truly hate, and that would be Octopussy. See, I don't hate it. I just don't like it <laughs> is that hate <laughs> no i got you man um so i'm interested to hear you guys' top five if you can narrow it down to top five because there's 25 films now to get that narrowed down remember we last did the podcast that didn't we did the bondcast that didn't air i mean there's been what maybe four bond films since then maybe well three? that was that was for skyfall so there was specter and now, okay okay so there's the, only been two, two so. more yeah but still still there's 25 freaking films so narrow down to 20 five is i think a big deal i actually want to start with drew uh what are your your top five in reverse order if you can narrow it down to top five favorite bond films top five i got number five i've got from russia with love i really i really liked uh what's his name uh rosa club villain in that (laughs) and and uh what's his name uh red yeah, Red, uh, Red Grant, I think was his name, the assassin. Felt like he, yeah, the guy who like, follows him on the train is that the dude? Yeah, the I think he was like a really good like physical like enemy, and it's like oh, you're actually scared for James Bond and this. Oh yeah, this guy. yeah, and he feels like yeah. the counterpart to James Bond. You know what I'm saying? Dude, they they had that badass fight scene on the train, and then mm-hmm. like the opening of the film where they like they got a dude to look like James Bond, so he could just hunt him down and kill him. Yeah, that's so fucking weird. It's like a shadow. Uh, four, I have uh, Skyfall. Yeah, it's <laughs> very weird because I actually saw that movie when I was when I was paralyzed in a wheelchair, and I the, it came up in trivia. It was like, when, what year did Skyfall release? And I was like, I know exactly when it released because I remember seeing it. And but it's like great. Javier Bardem is awesome. Like great send off for judy dench you have the callback with the aston martin great theme just solid all the way through and yeah, made the a, cinematography is phenomenal in that made movie. a made a so yeah. much fucking money yeah it's a gorgeous film yeah three golden eye it was my first i still love it like the there's just spawned an amazing video game uh <laughs> there was uh i love trevelyan the uh tank chase scene was awesome Oh yeah, the tank to Russia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, there's just so much stuff throughout that movie that I love. Uh, two Goldfinger, the just classic of classics. 
Like when you like, I think it's just like the platonic ideal of like a James Bond movie. If you're like, Hey, I need to learn like what James Bond is about. Like Goldfinger is like, all right, there you go. It's like, but all those guys at Fort Knox fake, like they were dead. All of them. (laughs) I love that shit, man. It's like saw times a thousand, man. Yeah. It's so the absurdity though, but I do like his concept of why he's doing it. He's a great villain. That's yeah. the one level of absurd shit in a James Bond movie you're worried about, John. Worried <laughs> yeah. about a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's like the platonic ideal. But one is just Casino Royale. I love that movie so much, and it helps that like I play poker a lot, and it's like I love that, and it's like that those scenes were well done. Like you have the best Bond girl for me and then you have uh, a great great villain and then you have the introduction of Mr. White near the end that, yeah, which is a strong tease. And then you've got the new Felix shows up. Yeah, I'm new Felix. Yeah. I'll bleeding tips, I'll stake you. you know yeah, the, uh, but you've got the, the crane scene, you've got uh, the, the bu- was that the bus scene in Miami? Was in that one? Or is that uh, in Miami. or not the bus, the airport. Yeah. Airport. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That one uh, was an exciting scene. And then you have uh, just <laughs> the whole world will know you died scratching my balls. <laughs> <laughs> it does yeah. have everything. I mean, it's got one of the best Bond girls, one of the best villains, one of the best Bonds. It's and, and by Martin Campbell, who did two yeah. of your top five movies. Yeah. Like, I, and that's why I was like, I, I felt like the promise of GoldenEye was perfected in Casino Royale. Like everything that it's like, yeah, we got the tease of the more physical guy, uh, more physical bond, and then it was just perfected with Casino Royale. That's a really good top five, man. 100%. That's a great top five. I would say that the 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 origins of the the tone in Casino Royale go a little bit further back to oh, I'm sure. Daylights, yeah, but especially License to Kill. Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna jump oh. over to Goldsmith. If you can narrow it down to your top five, and the first person that has like four honorable mentions, I'm gonna punch right in the dick. No, Robbie. I've got five. <laughs> well, I'm gonna start with my number five, License to Kill. Ah, great Fantastic film. movie. Gladys Knight theme song. Great job. And sampling also, Goldfinger in that theme song. Something. Yes. But also, one of the most interesting things about the film is uh, Q is out in the field for the first time. Oh, yeah. Q's actually out there doing stuff. My number four, probably going to be a controversial choice, Moonraker. What? Roger Moore, (laughs) Moonraker. Yeah. I heard you talking about it earlier. I held my tongue. Are you fucking with us? Is this a joke? No. No. It's my number four. This is my favorite one when I was, or one of my favorites when I was a kid. It's a fun movie Uh, to watch. It really is. It is fun. And it's also fucking, like, it's. And the villain's not half bad, bro. Yeah. It's one of the realest, like, the dude's trying to delete the whole world and restart it from some shit that he's making on a space station. Like he, he's this is Justin's dream. And by the way, no, it's not my dream. No, I'm not trying to do this, but like, it's like, this is some actual, like 
generic supervillain stuff. Like he was trying to destroy the entire world and remake it in his image. And so he brought these people up to a space station and was trying to kill everybody on the planet. And then, you know, okay. Well, that's just the number four. My number three, Tomorrow Never Dies. I love it. Wow. It's not that's too controversial. Big, not too small. That's it's more big, controversial than Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. I like it. It's a great, great Bond villain in that movie. It's Rupert yeah. Murdoch. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a, <laughs> a news. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, damn, I can't think of his name. Is that um, Jonathan Price? Jonathan Price. Yeah. Okay. Price. Yeah. Jonathan Price. Um, he's a news magnate. Yeah. Is that like a media? Uh, Rupert Murdoch. Tomorrow's News Today. Yeah. He. Has all these people that go out and fuck up the world, and he reports what he does overnight the next Fun morning. Fun fact the yeah. original title of that movie was Tomorrow Never Lies. And it was a typo smudge that, like, they sent over like a fax or something, and there was a smudge in the ink, and they were like, Tomorrow Never Dies. That sounds badass. They're like, Well, we're stuck with it now. That's a badass title, though. <laughs> it is a great title. Well, that's an interesting he pick. Is one of- he is one of my favorite villains, and I really love that movie. And actually, that's the first James Bond movie I ever saw. Um, and also, why I are you on this fucking podcast? <laughs> what it was when I was a kid, it was the first one I ever saw. But, uh, but that that room when he had, he was walking around with the keyboard, and he was, <laughs> and the whole wall of screens and shit, whatever. Number Knowing two. what I know about Justin, that does not surprise me that you love that movie so much. I like that movie too. I really do. Yeah, and also the gadgets. We talked about the the BMW 750 and the Nokia, the cell phone, all that. There's so many reasons Sony to love Ericsson. Tomorrow Never Dies. So, it is a Sony Ericsson. Yeah, yeah we established that Nokia. Whatever. Yeah, but there's so. I'll many find that damn shirt. That movie. <laughs> gonna skip a. Gonna skip ahead. All right, number two, gold. Nah, obvious. Pierce Brosnan, best a, a really great villain, a villain Alec Trevelyan. Fantastic movie. Just gonna skip on past it. And number one, Skyfall. Well, Skyfall, yeah, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought his thing cut out. Yeah, I thought his internet cut out. <laughs> Skyfall, Skyfall is great. I mean, I understand why it would be in somebody's top five. Mm-hmm. See, Dude, the, the I, here's my controversial. Sky, Skyfall, Skyfall takes what Goldeneye did and does it even better. Okay. Um, Skyfall I, sounds I like that. a sequel to Moonraker. They take the, by the title. <laughs> it, the, Skyfall Moon, does Moonfall. Goldeneye, you mean? Like, as good as Goldeneye is, Skyfall does Goldeneye better because it's uh, the villain is another MI6 agent. That's true. The. Here's my controversial Bond opinion. I don't like Skyfall as much as other people do. I actually think I like Spectre better. Oh my God. I'm serious, man. And I just, I just, this week was Daniel Craig week. And like, have you bumped your head recently? I mean, I, I mean I've never, I've, I was like underwhelmed by Skyfall for some reason, man. I don't know why. Still. I bet it, but, Spectre is better. What the? Fuck? I mean, bro, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be hot take central here, but I think Spectre might be a smidge better to me, subjectively. 
Well, um, that's what this list is, is favorites yeah. and not yeah. best. But if you're that's wrong, a, we'll tell you. <laughs> that's an interesting top five because it was way different than Drew's. And we it's can tell what I expected. Yeah, You're heavily influenced by your era. Alcohol. I, think. I mean, your era. <laughs> We're sorry no. we interrupted your dinner, but I'm not interested to five. hear what Robbie, <laughs> what Robbie's top five, um, especially if he think skyfall is overrated yeah i i mean i do i do think skyfall is overrated but uh honorable mention to no time to die which i considered for this list to be honest with you i think the villain is weak as fuck but i think that a lot of bond films have some weak villains like it's i it's i think it's, it's 50 50 yeah it's so weird to have a movie that's so like identified by its villains to have a movie franchise identified so much by its villains, but that's that's not always the most consistent thing about it, yeah. right? But <clears throat> I loved No Time to Die. I thought it was a really good film. I just watched it for the first time this week, and watching it at the end of all these Bond films, it was, to me, like, that's how you do the death of Bond, the daughter of Bond, like, the selfless sacrifice, the way that he got up, he got out. He could have made it, but he had that virus... And he had to sacrifice himself. And I thought it was a pretty, pretty noble death. But number five, 1995, Martin Campbell, Goldeneye, video game, Pierce Brosnan coming in, doing the role that he wanted, that he had, but then they, they renewed Remington Steel for a second season because they thought that they were going to capitalize on him getting the Bond part. But then he couldn't play Bond because he got that. Then they canceled it anyway. So that. Pierce Brosnan's life has been filled with tragedy all revolving around it career wise, all revolving around James Bond roles. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he was perfect for the role, but didn't get the subsequent films that he really needed to develop that character out. But Goldeneye, amazing. The villains, uh, Famke Johnson, Sean Bean, the whole movie soars. The one thing I don't like about the movie is the score. They do this weird, like, uh, Boom, Casio, boom, yeah, Casio 1990s hip hop thing sometimes where it's like Eric Sarah says, Fuck you too. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty rough. But number four for me, 1987, directed by John Glenn, The Living Daylights. It's in my top five. I fucking love that movie. The cello player, the she's like set up that whole premise about like the, the, the dude trying to come over from beyond the iron curtain and the, the fake general guy who's like obsessed with being a general and he plays with his toys. Like he's like some kind of big wig. Like I love the movie. Timothy Dalton blows it away. Aha. Doing that, 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 that theme song. I, I love the living daylights. Number three, 1969 dudes, Peter R hunt on her Majesty's secret service. I love this movie. It's got an emotional connection. I love the action. I think George Lazenby does a great job as James Bond. I think if he wouldn't have gotten too full of himself or thinking, uh, getting so, I don't know, but enchanted by this idea of that he was going to be like the next Easy Rider. Because remember, this movie came out when Easy Rider did, and that was the new wave, and James Bond was out. This movie didn't do very well, right? However... I love it. I love the music. I love Terry Savalas as Blofeld. I love the whole bit. I I love when he's pretending to be that Scottish genealogist or whatever. Like, it's so stupid, but I love it. Number two, from here on, I'm just like Drew. Number two, 
Goldfinger, 1964, Guy Hamilton. This is the epitome of what James Bond, a James Bond movie is. It's it's Goldfinger. Great villain, great henchman, great villainous plot, great. The best performance by Sean Connery in a Bond film, which to me, Sean Connery is James Bond. I love that fucking movie. Number one, Casino Royale, 2006, Martin Campbell. Why? Because this is the best story that a James Bond film has given us. And the best James Bond overall story throughout an acting career as James Bond is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Daniel Craig as James Bond. I, I love this. And Casino Royale, it's got a weird structure. It's a long film, not as long as Spectre or goddamn No Time to Die is like almost three hours long, hey, y'all. I, I checked it. It's eight and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like Lonesome Dove. It was um, so the, long. Casino Royale works, man. I remember it being controversial to some people that they changed the casino game to Texas Hold'em, but that was the age of like Chris Moneymaker and like Phil Helmuth and like all that fucking, like that shit was it's big. The, it's the premier uh, casino game. Like yeah. World Series of Poker is huge. Exactly. So it worked for me. I play Texas Hold'em. I love that game. So it got me more into it than if, if they were playing Baccarat, which I like still don't understand. But the movie is great. Great villain. The best Bond girl, honestly, on paper. I mean, this movie is just everything top notch. But it gets into the character more than any other James Bond movie. This is story-driven. This is a story-driven pick because I love the Sean Connery era, 100%. Love You Only Live Twice, honorable mention, but it is a little bit weird when they make him quote-unquote Japanese. And like, it's just a weird bit. But Casino Royale really nails the story, really gets beneath the skin of the character of James Bond. It's my number one. And uh, I, I just love poker too. But it, the structure of that's so weird because it's so well-placed. Vesper shows up later on. That's a real genuine romance that you understand, that you feel, and you feel his betrayal. And one of the reasons why I love fucking Quantum Solace is that he finds out in that movie that it's not quite all that he thought it was. And I think that you have to depend on watching Casino Royale first before you watch Quantum of Solace. Yeah. But once you, if you love Casino Royale, I don't understand why people don't like Quantum of Solace because to me, that's really cool. The only problem with it is that it should have been Spectre, but they didn't have the rights yet. So they had to create this other organization called Quantum that then they just had to kind of write under the, as the underneath the umbrella of Spectre. But Casino Royale, my number one. That's my top five. Casino Royale is fantastic. I love when they first meet on the train. She's like, I'm the money. He's like, worth every penny of it, I'm sure. Whatever. They're just like their banter when they first meet yeah. is phenomenal. They're really great together. Vesper, uh, she does a great job as Vesper. And uh, uh, yeah, you can't, I can't go wrong with Casino Royale. What a fantastic film. So uh, I'll get to my five now. So uh, my number five was going to be The Living Daylights. I'm a big Timothy Dalton fan. I love that Aston Martin. I like the idea of the cellist being the the setup, the Patsy. She was the girlfriend of of that general. And then you got the arms dealer um, who later comes back in the Pierce Brosnan films as the CIA agent or whatever. Remember? Yes, he does. At the end of Goldeneye, they pop up. And I'm like, when I rewatched it this time, because I just recently rewatched all the Karate Kid films, that scene with him, with Bond and her at the carnival reminds me of the bit 
where they go play putt putt uh, with Daniel and whatever her name is from the Karate Kid. Like that's a genuine love story too. Oh yeah, think, yeah. When they're at the, yeah, when he's entertaining, he's she thinks it's his friend, and they end up yeah. falling for each other on the uh, the on the Ferris wheel and all that on stuff. the Ferris wheel. And then the other agent gets killed by that weird door. Dude, I love that, man. He sets up the door to just like blow up and smash this dude, man. This is a gritty James Bond movie. I absolutely love it, Both of his films, honestly, both of his films are very gritty. It gets, because License to Kill is even darker. And it almost my type film, top five, I like it. But it's not the traditional Bond film. It's a revenge flick. Yeah, 100%. And it's 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 in the vein of the '80s action movie. Oh, 100 if, if, if that wasn't a Bond film, it would be remembered up there with like Roadhouse and Rambo two. Yeah. And and Living Daylights also has the Rambo three thing where we're like, let's support fucking what's going to become Al Qaeda. Yeah, we're yeah, the they join the yeah exactly. <laughs> what is it? The Mahad? They, what is that? What I don't remember what they called. I forget, called. but they had like the opium or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And oh man, give it to the Russians or whatever. That he gets mixed up in all of that. I do. I just like that film. I really like Dalton. And Those that was the, the last Cold War Bond yeah. films. And that was the first time that I saw Bond as being a somebody who could handle himself. You know what I'm saying? So I had a special place for Timothy Dalton, friend of the yeah. show. Plus, like what, what's her name? Isn't that Liam Gallagher's future ex-wife? No, that was somebody else. I thought that too, and that we—that's that, oh. not the same actress. Damn. Okay. I was thinking it was, and I looked it up because I was like, I thought that because you told me that years yeah. ago, and I was like, man, <laughs> he was like, she was older than him. She was robbing the cradle, man. She's yeah. Anyway. I, I I flipped. I messed her up with somebody else. I I looked that up, but I was, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll share that fact on the show, and then I googled it. I'm like. <laughs> Who did I flip flop in my brain? I gotta, I gotta figure out who I mixed up. But, well, uh, there you go. Um, so that's my number five. Number four is gonna be uh, from Russia with Love. That's my favorite uh, Connery film. I love the train scenes. I feel like the the henchman didn't feel like a corny henchman. It feels like a serious Russian agent. Yeah, there's that weird corny thing in the beginning where he kills kills the Bond lookalike, which is so weird. Huh. But I do like. The, the the lady travels with you know what i'm saying he gets that whatever she's like a stenographer or something whatever she can decode it or whatever the russian he travels with her and then they're trying to get them on the train they jump off the train it felt very grounded but it felt like a real spy flick you know what I'm saying? i don't know if that makes any sense but i really enjoyed that film and that's my favorite of the economy films to be honest with you that novel was one of john f kennedy's favorite novels and he listed it when he was president and it, and it soared that into success and really, I think propelled the franchise through the sixties. Oh, I did not realize that he has good taste. He was a great president. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Number three is going to be the first bond film I ever saw in the theaters, which is Goldeneye. It was just such a big deal to see golden. I see bond on the big screen and we got a new guy and, and I liked the concept of Trevelyan double crossing him. And I thought Xena on the top was great. And uh, uh, I just, I like everything about the film. I mean, if you go back and look at it, compare some other Bond films, there's definitely some issues with the story. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I think the special effects are good good for the time. I do enjoy the music. Um, I I really like Boris. Uh, what's his name? Alan Cummings? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's great in it. I mean, there really is a really good cast in that film. And I, and it was Pierce, it does a great job as James. You know what I'm saying? He was definitely uh, uh, a... <clears throat> Uh, Goldeneye was a good uh, start for him, you know what I'm saying, in the Bond franchise. It was, it was a good movie, too, to bring Bond into the new era of the night. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And I'll point out that all five of us, or all four of us, put that in our top five. 
Well, another one that's, that, that this is actually my number two is one of Robbie's favorite films, Skyfall. <laughs> and I don't hate it. I love Skyfall. You I just, just don't like it as much rated. as, as yeah. you. Let's just say um, I like I, I the cinematography is phenomenal. The artwork and the set pieces are stunning. Like visually, it's probably one of the best Bond films. And uh, in the locations they shot, it's just gorgeous film. And I do like the fact that it betrayed a double O, of course, is, you know, this isn't the first time we have a, a double O is being the bad guy. So I do like that. I just I really enjoyed Skyfall and, and the story behind it and his, you know, his his home and everything. And then the send off for 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 M's character. So I really enjoyed Skyfall. But my favorite plus you, of have, all, plus you have Albert Feeney in there, right? As his caretaker of his land. Oh, yeah, who, yeah. Of the land of Skyfall. Apparently they went after Sean Connery for that role, but he wasn't oh, really? able to do it. Yeah. Like he, he wasn't able to because he was busy or I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Probably because he was like, I'm not going to be in a James Bond movie if I'm not fucking James Bond. Fuck yourselves. <laughs> uh, but my favorite is definitely um Moonraker. No, my favorite is Casino Royale. There so you go. I think it's I think it's it's a good um, introduction to Bond, and it's got the love story with Vesper, and it's it's visually it's amazing. The writing's great, you know. The card game, the 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 Aston Martin. There's nothing to dislike about the film. It's, I think it's put together well. I think it's directed well. And the only thing when I first saw it, they were like, "Oh yeah, this is going to be him getting his license to kill, and this is a start of Bond." I'm like, why didn't they go with somebody younger than Daniel Craig, who's not old by any means at that time, but I thought they'd go with somebody like their 20s. But I saw him, I was like, okay, this guy fucking rocks. That black and white opening was so cool. Oh, yeah, I really liked Chris Cornell, the opening song, and it was the first film I actually saw digital on a uh, a digital projector. Nice. uh, Real quick thing, I don't know if anybody else ever mentioned it, his cars keep getting better throughout the film. Like, he starts out with, like, a Ford Focus. And then he ends up with nothing's better than Aston Martin. <laughs> <laughs> they had a product placement deal. Like... It's just it's just a great movie, man. I love Casino Royale. But I remember we we were late, all because of some fucking cinnamon rolls at CC's. We were late to the movie and we were up front, and it was like the screen door effect, which I've never seen before because I hadn't been to a digital film. You know what I'm saying? You don't get that with film grade. So we had to come back to the later show and get better seats. And then, but I was just blown away by Casino Royale and it was uh, uh, amazing. It gets better every time I watch it. Yeah. It holds up incredibly well. Yeah. That's a really great top five, John. 100%. I think everybody had a great top five. We three Kings. Yeah. The three of us all had Casino Royale as number one. So uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in next podcast. Number two, the deuce. Uh, the, second, <laughs> the second one for this season, we're gonna be talking about comic book villains. Ooh, I have the feeling they might talk. We might talk about the Joker a little bit. I'm looking at uh, Drew's uh, painting there in the background. There. No, I thought you were talking about the ass mage. <laughs> I guarantee oh. the Joker will not be in my top five. So there's a lot of great Marvel villains, a lot of great DC, a lot of great image, independent. some yeah. independent stuff as well, uh, Dark Horse and and whatnot. So I'm interested to see. Uh, what people bring to the table because I think we're gonna get some stuff um a little a little bit uh we're gonna get some big common ones but we're gonna get some stuff that's a little bit uh kind of off the uh yeah you know not in the big 
MCU kind of thing. We're gonna get some other stuff. I'm excited. I'm really excited and, for that show. I hope and we got Joe Corallo joining us for that stream. Yeah, so that will, he'll be adding an, an extra level for us. We, got we, might, we might even get some Legion of Superhero villains that will not know. Oh, yeah, are. we'll be like who? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to see the direction of it and see. I want you know, you know, how many people bring up Kite Man is what I'm interested to hear. No, just Tom King. <laughs> well, I appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, and that's it. Uh, tune in next time. Same Bond channel, same Bond time. I, actually, I don't know what time it's going to be on <laughs> or where it's going to be. I'm assuming we're going to do it like this. And uh, I think we're aiming for two weeks from tonight, I think was what we were aiming for. For that, I guess we'll, we'll let everybody know in the PCP army. We'll go from there. Yeah. yeah, Bond is all right, but check out Mission Impossible too. Mission Impossible <laughs> 2? Yes. <laughs> Only the John Woo one. Go yeah. check out Mission Impossible 2. Better than like half oh, of the earlier said Maggie Q. That's what I'm thinking of. She's in Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh, actually probably hurts her reputation more than anything. <laughs> but uh all right. All right. Thanks for joining Station. us. Night. Thank you.